Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. What a what a great time of worship this morning. You know, as we were singing that last song, I just was reminded just how faithful God is in the midst of our lives. And He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy uh, of our obedience and our allegiance uh, to Him. What a, uh, just a beautiful, beautiful song this morning as we led into this time. Uh, We have the privilege of being able to come together as the body of Christ and to pray for one another, to uh, to love one another, and to encourage one another, uh, and equip one another to proclaim and share the good news of Jesus. You know, as Ernie said, it's been a crazy little season. We are in the midst of difficult times and in so many lives of folks in our church family, and I'm reminded that we are not home yet. Uh, I'm reminded that Some of the things that we walk through in this life, while they are difficult and while they are uh, heavy, that God is not allowing any moment of those to be wasted. And he desires to use those things for the very glory of his name. And one day, uh, everything is going to be made new. And I'm so grateful for that. And until then, uh, we are ambassadors for for Christ. We are uh, here uh, from a foreign land, and we are sent with a message Uh, from the king, a message from our sovereign that we are to declare to this world. And I'm reminded that we need some good news for a change this morning. We've been in the midst of this sermon series, uh, Surviving in the Wild. And as we just really leaned into the last part of a passage in Ephesians 6 that we were looking at last week, we talked about uh, just this uh, helmet of salvation. Uh, We talked about how we... uh, come in, uh, in the midst of this battle, secure in our salvation and the finished work of the cross, and, and that we, if we're battle-ready, right, that we are uh, people that uh, have uh, surrendered our lives to Christ, have been born again into the family of God, and we've been given a weapon in the midst of this battle that we are to wield, and it is the, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so we see just this uh, this reality that we've been given a gift in God's word. And as we proclaim it, as we share that in the power of his spirit, that it is a weapon in the midst of this battle. And we have a common enemy. We have uh, this faith as we walk together uh, in this battle. And then the last part of these verses began to talk about prayer. And as I was praying this week about direction and kind of where we're going next, I was just reminded that You know, so many times our prayer lives look more like a pit stop at a NASCAR race than anything else, right? And I didn't want to end this passage by just kind of running by that. And so I want to lean in a little bit this morning. We think of the word prayer and we we talk about it a lot. Uh, How many of you in this room would just raise your hand and say, I believe in the power of prayer? Maybe we would do that. We all would confess that this morning. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but um, how many of you would declare that my prayer life reflects that I truly believe in the power of prayer? How many of us would maybe say, you know what, sometimes my prayer life doesn't really reflect the things that I believe. Somebody might say, you know what, I, I don't pray like I should. You know, I confess as your pastor, there are moments that feel very convicted and it's like you get so busy in the midst of life 
and you get so many things coming in so many different directions and, and prayer requests and needs and things that are there. And I look and say, you know what? I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And, and we do those things and we, we lean into that. And sometimes, you know, I fall asleep when I'm praying. Sometimes my kids will have fun laughing, right? There's been multiple times throughout life where uh, maybe I've started a prayer and then all of a sudden I've woken up somewhere a little bit later with my kids laughing at me, right? When they're like, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and while that doesn't feel very spiritual to me right here in the moment, the reality is that we find ourselves in those places, right? In times where we're called to watch and pray, and, and we're going to see that's a little bit of what Paul is exhorting here. We find ourselves distracted. We find ourselves praying. You know, last week we received uh, back-to-school prayer cards for our kids. I hope uh, that all of uh, you have, have gotten one of those. And if you haven't, we have some more of those at our Connect table uh, as you leave. And so you can uh, take a student that you have the privilege of praying for every day as they uh, go through this school year. And I was thinking about that. You know, we can be praying for a kid. Maybe we're praying for our kids about school. Maybe we're praying and we mention the word school. And then the next thing, somehow our mind goes 400 different directions. And we're like, oh, yeah, and I got to pack that backpack. And I got to get that lunchbox. And I got to get. And somehow our minds, it's almost like we have uh, just this, this tendency to go all these different directions. We, we see the, the culture that we live in is, is filled with so much busyness and so many things. And sometimes it seems like a victory when we answer and say, how you doing? And they say, man, busy. Whoa, man, we are going. And, and there's this, this reality that busyness is hindering our communication with God. I saw a quote from a guy named Donald Whitney who writes on spiritual disciplines a lot. And I love his work on, uh, on the spiritual disciplines. But he says this. He said, in some ways, we're doing more than ever spiritually but enjoying and profiting from it less. Many of our lives are productive and prosperous. Many areas of our lives are productive and prosperous, yet we've never felt so spiritually withered. Our calendars are full, but our souls are empty. I thought, man, how true is that in so many situations, right? Where we, we have checklists of Bible reading apps and we have the ability to podcast and we have the ability to take in so many different things and we have the gifts of all this technology. We have the gifts of so many things. But in reality, uh, there's, a, there's a part of us that just never is still before the Lord, right? That we, we are, are desperately in need of time alone with the Father, right? That we would engage in prayer. And when we pray, we, uh, it, it shifts our heart and it shifts our heart on a God-centered life. You know, we were coming back from Haywood, and I opened up my GPS, and as I uh, was trying to figure out how to get out of the areas that we were in, I was reminded of something. Whenever we open a, a GPS, you find instantly that you are the center of the map, right? That you open it up, and right there you are. Like if we open it right now, it's Cowie Baptist. And if you open it up from your house or wherever you're at, and so much of our life is centered around uh, so much of our life and so much of our world is centered on us. And so many times I've been convicted of this in my own prayer life that so many times our prayer life can be uh, centered completely on us. And, and I want to encourage you today that we might, and from these uh, scriptures that we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 through 20, in, in this passage, I want to encourage us as the body of Christ to be gospel and God-centered prayers and gospel-sharing proclaimers. And we're going to see how those things connect 
together as we dig into God's word. But prayer, when we approach the very throne room of heaven and we approach our great God, when we do that, it centers our heart on him. And we declare our dependence. We declare uh, our desire, right? We, we might say, you know what? I believe in the power of God in prayer. And our prayer life communicates our dependence on him for that. And our real desire to see his power in our life, working in our families, working in our church, right? If we said, hey, you know what? The, the, the prayer life that we have before the throne room of heaven is going to be descriptive and telling of the power of God in the midst of, of our church and in, in the lives of us corporately as we pray and in our families and the lives of us individually as we pray. If we look at that and say, you know what? We, we understand that is the connection in our lives, it may be humbling to us to examine our prayer life. It's the means by which the power of God is present in the life of a believer. It is the way that we plug into the source of power. I think about uh, my cell phone sometimes. It'll run pretty low, and I'll have some more work to do. And, and what we'll basically do is just kind of run by, and maybe you've got one of those uh, fast chargers, right? I've got a USB-C that if I plug it in for just a little short time, I know I can get just enough power uh, to get to this next point or to get to this next point. And so many times we spend our life just plugging in for just a second and kind of going. And, and through the day, just this continual heart of prayer that allows us to have uh, the fuel for our day. But then there's this reality that at times we just need to sit this thing down, and we need to plug it in, right? And it just gets this full charge, uh, and, and when that happens, it's going to work much better. And as believers, it is time alone with the Father in prayer. It's time alone with Him that fuels our life. It allows, it's that prayer. That's the reason that we see Paul uh, describe this at the end of this uh, command for us to put on all this armor of God. It is uh, the power of God through the prayers of His people right there that holds all this uh, together. And I love this uh, quote by uh, Samuel Chadwick in the path of prayer, he says this, the one concern of the devil. So we've been saying, hey, we're in a spiritual battle and we know who our enemy is. And we, uh, we see this quote, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from prayer. Our enemy fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power. Well, aren't you glad that God takes a bunch of ordinary people? Like you look at the disciples, he takes a bunch of nobodies and he fills them with the power of his spirit and he uses them to shake this world for the glory of his name, right? And, I, and, and if you're just ordinary and average and say, you know what, I, there's nothing I bring to the table, you're in the perfect place to hear from what God would say to us this morning. It, the prayers turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, it brings God and there is no power like that of prevailing prayer. Join with me as we open God's word, uh, reading verse 17 through 20, Ephesians chapter 6. Scripture says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So I want to challenge you to have a God-centering prayer life. I want to challenge you to have a God-centering 
prayer life. Now, when we have our life at the center of everything, we open our GPS, it's all about us. Our world is all about us. When we open our hearts to God and it's all about us, we're going to find out uh, that, that it's not the way that God desires us to approach the throne, right? We don't look at him as this genie and, 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 and how in the world can we approach the God of heaven who uh, gave his son Jesus as an atonement for our sin, died in our place so that we might uh, be restored into relationship with God and gives us access through the very blood of Christ to the throne room of heaven and opens the door that we might have a relationship. That's what prayer is. It's communicating with God that we might have a relationship with the Father and we sometimes come to him and the way that we treat it is the only reason that we care anything about it is because of the blessings that we might be able to get as we ask him for all these things, right? That we just see him as a path to blessing, a path to attain certain things that he can provide things. It's almost like a business relationship where two people say, you know what? We're, we're, uh, we have a business partner. Maybe there's some of you that have a business partner and maybe outside of that, you don't have this strong relationship, but there's profit. There's things that come from that. But God desires that we would spend time with him because we love him, because he first loved us and because he is glorious and he is beautiful and he is majestic and we long to spend time with him. And when we spend time with him, it is refreshing. That's the way I feel about my relationship with my wife. You know, as we, at times, there's times when we don't get to see each other a lot or we're just kind of all over the place, but there's something beautiful, right? I don't want to approach this time with my wife because of things that she can give or the, the dynamics that are there, but I long to be alone and to spend time with her because it refreshes my soul, right? It gives me fuel in the midst of that, and there's no agenda. There's no uh, thing, and God desires that we might come into his presence, right? Jesus would slip off uh, just to spend time and pray, we see this pattern in the life of Jesus followers, and we should long just to spend time with our loving Father. And out of that intimacy, out of that time with Jesus, we are strengthened. Out of that time with the Father, we are strengthened for the battle. Warren Wiersbe says it this way, prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor and wield the sword. We cannot sword. We cannot fight the battle in our own power, no matter how strong or talented we may think we are. The life of a Jesus follower is a life of prayer. And Paul writes, he says, we're to pray all prayers at all times in the Spirit. So there's this thought, what are these all prayers? We think about the things that we ask of God. We read in Scripture, read the words like supplication, right? That there are things that we need. There are things. And he says, hey, to cast all your cares on me. Philippians 4 says that, that, we, uh, that we present our quest. He says, be anxious for no thing, but in everything with thanksgiving. We're going to talk about thanksgiving here in just a minute. But he says, he says, listen, we're not to be anxious for all the things going on. Listen, if you watch the news for like five minutes, you can be anxious about everything, right? And, and, and there's so many things that are going on, but he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, uh, he says, listen, with thanksgiving, we let our requests be made known to God. We share those things that are on our heart. And by the way, God already knows what we need before we ask him, right? He knows those things. It's not like we come to him this morning and say, hey, God, I, I don't know if you noticed or not, but this is going on in my life. And God's like in heaven going, oh my goodness, I hadn't seen Right? That's not the approach. But he knows those things. But he desires that we would be dependent on him. He desires that we would cast our care on him. He desires that we would trust him in those places. Right? So we ask for things for ourselves. We ask for things for others. Right? There's something so powerful about intercessory prayer. Like one of the greatest things that people tell me is that, hey, I want you to know that me and my family pray for you every day. And my heart's just like, man, 
Thank you, Jesus, for that, because I'm desperately in need of his power in my life. And he desires that our life would not be centered on us, but would be centered on him, and, and that we would have a look, like we would love others, and that we would pray for them, and we would lift them up. It's interesting, Job 42.10, I love this scripture. It's so interesting to me. Scripture says this, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. I love that thought. He knew all those things. He knew what he desired to do. He knew the work he desired to do in Job's life. We see God working in the midst of time alone with him. We think about confession, right? We ask for forgiveness. We come uh, before his throne. Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? We live in a, a culture and a time where it seems like everything we hear can be negative. Have you noticed that? Like no matter where you go, no matter what you look at, no matter what news you turn on, no matter what social media feed you get, it seems like everything is there. And worship is our weapon in this battle against worry, against anxiety, against all these things. You know, when we were in Clarkston, there was a missionary that was leading the camp that we were serving in there. And every morning, he would ask us a couple of things. He would say, before we get started, I know this world is crazy, and there's a lot of things that you're carrying, a lot of things that you're walking through. I recognize all that. So he said, I want you to take a minute, and we're going to pray. And he said, I want to ask you this question. What is it that you need to trust God with? What is it that's weighing you down? What is it that you're carrying? And he said, in this time, he said, I want you just to pray and say, God, I trust you with this. And then we would go around the room and we would talk about what we were thankful for and how grateful we were for uh, these blessings in our life. And, And the more you say thank you, the more you will recognize and the more you will see to be thankful for, right? And we pray these God-centered prayers. Jesus said, pray in this manner. He says, our Father who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We see this heart, right, that we would, uh, that we would be gospel-centered, that we'd be God-centered, that we'd desire his work to take place through his people in this life. And we are people in the midst of brokenness with a message of hope, gospel proclaimers, hope dealers, people that that are declaring good news. And we fight from victory. We've been blessed by his goodness and by his grace. You know, as we sung that song, Lord, your goodness has been running after me, your mercy, right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And, And as David said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are not home yet. The best is yet to come. And the joy that we experience in this life is not necessarily necessarily from getting all these things that we want, but from an understanding of the gospel and knowing what we deserve. And when we know what we deserve and we see all that God has poured upon us richly in his grace, it changes everything. We come before the Father and we approach him. We we use the words acts sometimes to describe a method of praying, uh, just a Uh, an acrostic, something you can look at in there. And there's this thought of adoration, right? We come in awe of our great God. And when I think about that with my kids, and sometimes Grant and I will look at those, uh, just a passage of scripture, and we'll say, what does this teach us about God? And we just write the word wow down right there, right? That's adoration, right? God, it is amazing. This is how great and mighty you are. Confession, right? That there's this reality that we sin and fall short of the glory of God. And even as followers of Jesus Christ, we're being conformed to the image of his son, and he's working in our our life to do those things, but we still sin and we fall short. First John 1 says that if we confess our sin, though he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we approach the very throne of heaven and we recognize that, and, and with adoration and wow and awe, we uh, recognize just the greatness of our God. And then we say, God, I'm sorry, right? I confess my sin to you, Lord. And there's a, the life of a Jesus follower is a life that 
is filled with repentance, right? It is not just this one moment when we uh, repent of our sins and surrender our lives to Christ, but it is filled with continual repentance in our life as we understand and see uh, the areas that we fall short and the places that we, uh, that we sin. And we want to keep a, a short list of those things, right? I'm sorry. And then we say, God, thank you right? Thanksgiving, right? We come just praising him. And then we ask for help. We have supplication. We have needs. We have things that we pray for. When do we do that? All the time. That's what it says, all the time in the spirit. We pray to the father, we pray through the son, and we pray in the spirit. And it's only when we are walking in the spirit that we will pray the will of God. We have a GPS system, right here, right? God's salvation plan revealed to us in his word. We read his word. We take in his word. We meditate on his word. We pray his word. We pray the promises of God. We we pray the truth of God's word. We we recognize those things. We submit to the authority of God's word, and and we pray the will of God, right, when we do those things. We're to pray alert, Paul says, right? We watch and pray. That means you can keep your eyes open. Y'all, y'all can watch and pray. Like there's this thought and we bow our heads and we close our eyes. And if I were to say, hey, let's pray right now. And I was to look around the room, most everyone would close their eyes. And there would be like one of you that opened your eyes and looked around for a second. And then if you were watching that take place, you could see somebody else that did that. And then you would catch each other. And immediately this happens. You're like, <laughs> right? Like, like you see that at the dinner table with kids or you see those kind of things, right? But there's this thought of this alertness to the battle that's going on, right? That we watch and pray, that we're sober, that we're vigilant, that, that we don't go to sleep, that we don't quit, right? That, that how long has it been since we approached the very throne room of heaven and we said, I'm not going to turn loose until I hear from heaven, right? That, that we're going to pray until we get a hold of heaven, that, that until the Spirit of God stops me or I get an answer from heaven, right? That the Father would, would do that. How long has it been since we've said, you know what, I'm going to be still before God. And, and he desires that there's prayers that we, he doesn't desire us to have these just repetitive prayers. That means that we pray exactly like this every day uh, and, and just this little chanting or this vain type repetition. But there is this desire that we would take things before the Father continually. And we may pray. Now, I've known of people that have prayed for a family member that was lost for years and years and years. Maybe like after 30 years, a husband has come to faith in Christ. Or We're to continue uh, to petition the throne. We're to continue to pray. And, and and Paul desires that we pray all prayers all the time for all the saints. Look at verse 19. Paul says, I desire that you pray for me. He says, well, we should all have this desire. Notice Paul didn't pray for a hurt toe. He didn't pray for his ankle because the chains had been uh, rubbing in there. He didn't pray for his safety. He didn't pray for his comfort. He didn't pray for any of those things. But he prayed uh, that, that the gospel might go forth in the midst of his circumstances. And when we shift our circumstances, ain't none of us going to get out of here alive and ain't none of us going to go through this life without suffering and without difficulty and without uh, things that we face. And in the midst of those things, when we shift our focus and we shift our attention from the woe is me in the midst of those moments. God loves us and he's a good father and he knows what we need and we trust him as a good father and we're not home yet and, and the best is yet to come and we recognize all those things and we shift our focus from the woes me in the midst of those things to a trust in a, in a holy God that says, Lord, I pray. And like Paul prayed to the, to the church at Philippi when he was sharing in Philippians 1 and when he was sharing his heart, he was saying, listen, my heart is that the gospel would go forth and the fact that I'm in prison and the fact that I'm walking through all these difficult things, actually all those things, they're resulting in greater progress of the gospel and because of that, I'm rejoicing. And so he gives this heart that we would pray that the gospel might go forth in the midst of our circumstances. And so I want to challenge you that we would pray gospel-propelling prayers, that that would be the heart of this faith thing, that we would pray gospel-propelling prayers 
all the time for all the saints, that it might be our heart. That's a evidence of a mature believer is that life is no longer, right, kids? It's all about me. Like, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. But as we grow up and as we mature, then life becomes about something different. And, and when we see mature Christians, we see people that are praying that God might use their circumstances and the difficulties for the progress of the gospel. Verse 19, he says, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Two things. We want to have a God-centering prayer life. When we approach the throne, that it centers everything around him because it is all about him. And we are created, right, to bring him glory and, and to declare and make marvelous and majestic and, and glorify his name in everything that we do. So we have this God-centering prayer life and we have a gospel-sharing public life. I want to invite Judah Parks to come. We're going to do something just a little bit different this morning. And as he comes, I want you to think for just a second if I'd called on you for this task. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy and, and allow you to enjoy just um, a presentation of the gospel by one of our students. And I'm so grateful for, for our student ministry and this heart that they have to equip every person in our student ministry to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And every believer, right, we've been sent on mission for the glory of his name. Jesus gave us a command that we might go into all the world and, and preach and teach, that we might share the good news of the gospel. And every follower of Jesus Christ, every follower of Jesus Christ is expected and commanded to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And we all need to be prepared. And so it's my heart that we as an entire faith family that I would be able to call on any one of us in this church and we might be able to give a gospel presentation and that God might call on us at any time through the week as we engage with people and that we would be ready to share the good news of the gospel. We need some good news in the midst of this broken world. And so I'm proud of Judah. His sister, uh, Alea, did a fantastic job sharing uh, in our early service, and we just bless my heart uh, there. So, Judah? Hi, so I'll be sharing the three circles this morning. It's a really simple way to share the gospel with someone. So like Pastor Jason said this morning, if you turn on the news or go on social media or even really leave your house anymore, we're reminded that we live in a broken world, but that wasn't God's original plan for us. When God made the world, it was perfect. There was no pain, suffering, or death. Everything was perfect, but because of sin, we now live in this broken world. And a lot of us will try and get out of this brokenness with the love of money or relationships, or even drugs and alcohol sometimes. But the thing about those is you're just going to find yourself in that state of brokenness again. And thankfully, God sent His Son Jesus down to die for us, and He rose again. And if we believe and repent, We believe and repent. God will make us a new creation. And when He does, you'll be able to experience that perfect uh, plan for your life. And...
then the question is, which one of these two are you in? So very quickly and very simply, um, Judah did just a great job sharing uh, just the gospel. And we are to be people that are always ready, right? That we would, would share the good news of the gospel. I'm so grateful uh, just for God's work in our students. I love 1 Timothy uh, 4.12 where it says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, right? But be an example among the believers. And, and every one of us should be able uh, to share the good news of the gospel that we are called to share. You'll see some... Uh, some handouts at the exits, and you'll also see uh, in the app and on the church website a uh, Sharing Jesus page, so it's cali.church forward slash Sharing Jesus. Uh, you'll find some ways that you can be equipped to learn to share using the three circles. Uh, you'll find uh, just this reality that right once we uh, have uh, trusted and, and placed our faith in Christ, we've repented and believed the gospel, that we uh, then have this blessing and privilege that God sends us back into the midst of brokenness, right? That he sends us back into the midst of this world to share the good news of what God's done in our life, to share the good news of the gospel. And that's what Paul said in verse 20. He said, for uh, this, he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul recognized his circumstances were not uh, were not the best, right? He was an ambassador, though, in those moments, and he said that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Verse 20, he says, listen, we, he said, I'm an ambassador, right? I'm an ambassador for Christ, and ambassadors were more than just messengers. They were more uh, than just heralds, right? They were representatives with a mission. You know, as Ernie said, hey, we're, we're not home yet, right? We're ambassadors for Christ, right? We've been uh, given responsibility to engage in this different world, in this wild that we live in. Uh, uh, an ambassador was given the, the, uh, this, this call to leave their home, and they, left, they lived in a foreign land. They studied the culture. They learned the language. They, they sought to build bridges that they might be able to communicate the message that they were given by their sovereign, right? And when we make Jesus Lord of our lives, when he is our king, and when we trust in him, right? We are then sent out uh, as ambassadors for Christ in the midst of this broken world. And, and we share the good news of the gospel. We share the hope that we have in Christ. And God has called us as a church, right? To pray all prayers all the time for all the saints, right? And God moves when his people pray. And we need to be a praying people that we would pray that, that these gospel prayers, right, that God would uh, allow us opportunity with people that we'll encounter maybe today even in lunches after this, this service, maybe it's in restaurants, maybe wherever you go, right, that we would pray, that we would prepare, that we would be equipped to share the good news of the gospel, that we would be in the Word of God so much that the Word of God would be in us and that we might be able to declare the message, right? The sword of the Spirit, right? The rhema, the spoken Word of God, that we might declare this message of the gospel, that we would pray, that we would prepare, and that we would proclaim, and, and we would see. It's not yet to be seen what God could do with a, a group of people that would just say, you know what, I'm going to sell out with everything that I have. I'm going to live my life not centered around myself, but centered around God. And I want to be used on mission for the glory of his name. And God, my life, I recognize that it's, that it's not about me, but it's about you. And I want to live in my life out of an overflow of prayer, an overflow of time with you. I'm going to take time to dig into the word and to prepare this, to share the gospel. And then I'm going to look for opportunity that I'm going to proclaim the goodness of who you are, that we might be God-centered 
prayers, that we would be those kind of people, right? And then as a result, that we would be gospel-sharing proclaimers. I want to invite you. We're going to worship the Lord together, but I want to invite you, uh, even in these moments, just to, just to answer the question that Judah asked, right? Where do you find yourself this morning? Are you still in the midst of brokenness, and maybe you're trying to find happiness and fulfillment in things outside of God, maybe in relationships. It might be in drugs or alcohol or popularity or all these different things. But what we recognize is that all the pursuit of those things, all of those things, they just continue to spiral us back into the midst of brokenness. But the reality is that if we will turn from our sin and trust in Jesus, that we repent of our sin, that we recognize that we're going the wrong direction and the Spirit of God convicts us of our sin and we turn from that and we trust and believe in the gospel that Jesus came, that he lived a sinless life, that he was born of a virgin, right? Lived a sinless life and died a cruel death in our place, was placed in a bar tomb and on the third day, he rose from the grave conquering death and hell, right, and making a way for us to be able to go back into relationship with the Father, to be restored in relationship to God, and then sending us out as ambassadors on mission for the glory of his name. If you've never trusted Christ, it's my prayer that this morning that you might surrender your very life to Christ and that you might go from the midst of this brokenness and from being here uh, into God's uh, design. And it's my prayer that all of us, that we might be stirred in such a way by the Spirit of God that we might engage in a completely different prayer life, that we might engage in a prayer life that says everything is about you, Jesus. And I come, I'm, I'm not going to be anxious, Lord. I trust you with these things in my life. Maybe that's where we're at this morning. Maybe there's something in your life and you're just weighed down in the midst and you, you just need to come and, and kneel before God here. It may be that you call on his name just from your, uh, from your seat, but we approach him and we say, God, I trust you with this. Lord, this is bigger than I know what to do with. Lord, I, I can't carry it anymore. I know that I, I can't, Lord, and I just lay this at your feet. God, I trust you as a good father, and I know that you love me, Lord, so I trust you with this. Maybe you need to come this morning and just before the very throne of heaven and say, God, I'm so grateful. You know, I'm ashamed sometimes at the way uh, that I live and just this, just this reality of all that God has blessed me with, all that he has given me, just the blessings that we have and how we can get caught up in the midst of, of just the negativity and all those things around it. We just would approach this throne and say, God, I'm so grateful, Lord, for the gift of your salvation. Lord, I'm so grateful, Lord, that, that I know what I deserve, but Lord, you have given me uh, just an inheritance in Christ that you bless me with every spiritual blessings in the heavens, not because I deserve it, but because you love me and you've lavished your love on me and through the grace and goodness of Christ, all these things. Lord, how, how grateful we could be just in perspective in our lives. Maybe that you've never trusted Jesus and you come and surrender to the King of kings and Lord of lords. But however God speaks to you, I pray that you'll be obedient. And then I pray that as we leave, we'll be intentional, that we'll turn the mundane places in our life our drive times, maybe walks that we do, exercise, whatever it may be, that we would turn those places into times that we would lean in and call on Jesus. I pray uh, every time we pick up a toothbrush, we might say, you know what, that's going to remind me to pray for my pastor. I got like two minutes. Whatever those kind of things are, but we would turn everything in our life into opportunities that would remind us and be intentional about approaching the very throne room of heaven and that our prayers would be God-centered, gospel-centered prayers, that our desire would be that the gospel would go forth and that we could trust and know that our great God is working in the midst of the brokenness, sending us with a message of hope. Lord, we trust you in these moments with, uh, Lord, just our lives. 
And God, I pray, Lord, as we just worship together, Lord, that you would remind us of your faithfulness, Lord, that we might, God, that we might be stirring our hearts, Lord, with just the goodness and greatness of you, Lord, and that we might do what our only response could be to the greatness and the goodness and to the gospel, and that would be worship, Lord, that we might, God, in full surrender, God, and in, in worship, we might, God, we might trust you with everything in our lives, Lord, and that we might walk away obedient. Lord, that our worship would be reflected in our love and that our love would be reflected in our obedience. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you would save them this morning, Lord, that you would allow them uh, to experience your grace, God, that you would be uh, coming after them. Lord, your word tells us that no one seeks after you, God, but, but that you, God, are pursuing, God, and that you're working, Lord, and that the power of your spirit, God, you draw people, Lord, and your word tells us that, God, that, that if you were lifted up, that if Jesus was lifted up, Lord, that you would draw all men to yourself, Lord, and we, uh, God, recognize that he was lifted up on that cross, Lord, and that the plan of salvation was complete, Lord, and that you uh, have made a way, Lord, for broken man, Lord, uh, in the midst of brokenness to be restored, Lord, and we are grateful for that, Lord. You tell us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. God, we've heard your word this morning, God, and we pray, uh, God, that faith would be uh, represented in, in all of our lives, Lord, and that you might, Lord, allow uh, those to pass, Lord, from death to life that don't know you. God, we pray, Lord, that we would trust and surrender. Lord, that you would be glorified in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.